So we're jumping into a new series as this is the new normal, and this is life, we're moving forward. We've had an amazing Easter weekend and people have joined us and God has been saving people and doing amazing works. But we're jumping into a series called, Are You Crazy? Yep, you can have a church series called, Are You Crazy? We know because we did it five years ago and we've been wanting to look at the series again and jump into this massive call to faith in times of fear. What does it look like? to navigate these times of fear with faith. And one of the things we realize is this statement of following Jesus has a whole bunch of questions like, are you crazy attached to it in many ways and many different forms. Maybe the more relevant way of naming the series is, are you cray cray? I don't know. We'll check. We'll come back to you and we'll fix it if we need to. But uh, two months ago, if you'd said to me, like I said earlier, Mark, you're going to be a homeschooler, I would have said, you are crazy. If you'd said to me two months ago that people are going to run 50 or 70 kilometers around their house like a thousand five hundred times I would say you are mad that is impossible people will go crazy if you'd said to me a few weeks ago that actually people won't just do that they're going to run around their house and raise money for a fund to feed people I thought we've never seen that why would we do that but in our house something like a statement like are you crazy is quite a popular statement it's a little bit sometimes parents to children are you crazy get off that you can't jump into the pool from there yes Hypothetical scenario didn't actually happen. Just throwing it out there just in case it could happen. But, but our boys egging each other on, jumping off things, hitting golf balls and missing the net and waiting for the sound to land on the roof and shouting to each other, are you crazy? It's this colloquialism that says for many things, but I want to say at a time when the voice of fear is shouting into everyone's ear, I want to say, are you crazy to follow our King, Jesus, in a time where everyone is drawn to these voices of fear, will we rise and be a voice of faith at this time? See, the gospel does many things, but one implication of the gospel is that burns in our hearts and puts the footsteps of our Savior in our story. So we start thinking of our King. Well, let's think of our King and His story. And His contemporaries would have thought in navigating His story the way He came. He, he was born of a woman, amazing, poor, born in a stable. You go, why would you do that? You're the savior of the world. Why would you come in that way? He comes and he takes these mismatched disciples, put them in a team, makes the guy who would betray him the kind of finance manager. And you're going, Jesus, you knew that. Are you crazy? All these different stories. And he, he comes on his victory march and he jumps in and he's on a donkey on the way to a cross. People go, no, that's crazy. C.S. Lewis put it this way. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. That's our decision. That's our call. That's our point that we drive at this time. It is crazy to worship our amazing king. But what about the father? He sends his son to die. It was his will to crush him. It doesn't make sense, Mark. Maybe you're watching this today. You're going, Mark, you're not helping me here. Don't worry. I'm going to help you. We'll get there. But this is a series to the believers of Jesus Christ say, actually, we need faith at this time. Moses went to the people of God who'd been in captivity for hundreds of years. And he says, this is going to sound somewhat crazy. But God has said, Take a lamb, kill it, take the blood and paint your door, not some new graffiti or some new styling options. Your neighbors are going to think you're nuts. People in your house are think you're wasting a good land at this time. But I'm telling you, God is doing a thing and I'm asking you to do something that's going to look a little bit crazy. And it's called this faith. 
faith. It's, it's not just an optional extra to the Christian story. It's the thing we got pulled to. It's the thing that brings us and allows us to find our security and our surety and our anchor in Jesus in all times. The good days when you're on the mountaintops or the valleys low. And I would say in these corona times, a time where fear is the major narrative of the day. On your phone, first thing in the morning in people's voices, on the conversations over walls, all over social media. It's fear. It's the loudest shout. Will we be a people who find faith? We've got to find it. Maybe say, Mark, I'm struggling for faith. I'm struggling for courage. I'm struggling to believe. Now I'm struggling to, to do the things I've always done. I'm struggling to be generous and be kind and be gentle and patient and all these things. No, well, that takes faith. We've got to find faith. The world are trying to find a vaccine. For this coronavirus and we pray that we find it soon and 70 on testing but i'm telling you there's a greater thing for believers right now than finding a vaccine it's finding a vaccine for fear and the only way through is faith and it looks like many things it looks like the language of faith are you speaking a language of faith which first comes from the word of god speaking in into our hearts and out of that heart we speak Courage and faith, not this optimistic Christianity, not this blind jargon, religious jargon that has no power to it. And I'm talking about faith in who God is, who His character is, the fact that He is unchanging and above and beyond all things. See, we've got to be wrapped up in the Word of God at this time. And then he says, well, I want you to change in the currencies within which you operate. And you no longer trade in a currency of fear, but you trade in a currency of faith. It's time to deal with faith and in faith. Let me speak to business leaders now. It's time to deal in faith. In the past, you've been able maybe to navigate with your skill and your ability and your strategies and your hustle and you'll make it, make it happen. God says, I need you to operate with a currency of faith. It changes the game. Faith to pay salaries at this time. Faith to trust for new vision. Faith to get on your knees and call on the living God and say, God, show me where to go. Because you're coming to a good shepherd. He will lead you. He will guide you. What about the resilience of faith? And, and the resilience of faith meaning to come, overcome even where there seems to be no hope. We look at these great characters of faith in the Bible and they had this incredible resilience. I mean, Paul was shipwrecked. He was beaten he was flogged he was stoned he was hungry he was everything you could imagine he would have loved the lockdown just giving him a break and yet he had this resilience because he had faith in Jesus he found faith in his story to run and to trust God David found faith in a cave running from Saul God speaks two words to our hearts that are raging he just says be still he's the only one who can speak to the winds and the wave two words and say be still what about the results of faith? Everyone loves the results of it. I love the results of faith. I love the fact that God says, you just need a little bit of faith and you can move mountains. I want the results of faith. Psalm 40 verse 5 puts it this way. Many, Lord, my God, are the wonders you have done. The things you have planned for us, no, none can compare with you. Were I to speak and tell of your deeds, there would be too many to declare. See, we worship a God of signs and wonders and miracles and His glory made manifest. I want to see the results of faith in this season. I want to tell testimonies of the corona times, of the year 2020. Not just a year we want to block out, but a year we found faith in the midst of the biggest storm this world had ever seen. And tell testimonies of our wonder-working God. And what about, lastly, the life of faith? Faith. Far less 
impacted by our circumstances, but totally impacted by God's glory and His strength. Peter walking on the water saying, I'm going to trust you, God. I might fall down the line, but I'm going to trust you now for this first step. See, some of the demands of the gospel are going to have implications for our lives, and they should lead us, people around us, and the watching world that is watching you, the believer, at this time, and they should be watching you because you should be a sign and wonder pointing to a miracle-working God. And they should be asking this question, are you crazy to trust Him? The one who is supposedly above it all, in control, you're going to trust Him in the midst of this storm? Yeah, I'm going to trust Him. Well, a couple of things about faith that might just help you in this journey and encourage you. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Say impossible. Impossible is a big word. It means it is not possible. All religious rhetoric, going to church every Sunday, even getting up early this morning, getting dressed for church. And let's, there's faith. Faith in who God is. Faith in His character, His nature, His unfailing love. We won't please Him. And secondly, Luke 18 verse 8. However, when the Son of Man comes, will He find faith on the earth? Jesus is saying, when I return, what am I going to find? I want to find faith. And I know at this time, we worship a God who is running towards, listening out for. He has His radar on high alert, listening just for the smallest amounts of faith. That in the midst of this year, 2020, and all the challenges we face, God is crying out to hear your faith. So we're going to jump into the book of Hebrews. And Hebrews, it was written to this church that's getting tired. They're a bit frustrated. They start being vigilant in their walk. They are navigating. They're starting to meander. And because they're meandering, the writer of Hebrews, who we don't know it is, says, hey, church, stop meandering. Stop, stop neglecting what you're called to. He writes it this way in Hebrews 2 verse 1. It's a warning to them. We must pay the most attention. What's he saying? Wake up, saying, pay attention, wake up, therefore, to what you have heard so that you do not drift away. Oh, the enemy would love a drift in us, love a drift in us at this time, drifting away from God's faith in his purposes and his plans and his courage. Why? Because of circumstances, situation, he would love that. So the Hebrews writer writes in Hebrews 3 verse 12, see to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you have a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. What's an unbelieving heart? It's a heart with no faith. Saying, make sure your heart doesn't get there. Now I know people might have lost jobs. And I know people have lost salaries. And I know businesses are teaching on the edge. And I know our economy is on a knife edge. I know all those things. I purposely read the news every day. Because then I get on my knees and say, God, in the light of the trials and the challenges, I will find faith in your presence on my knees before the living God because it anchors my soul in the midst of every storm. So take courage. God is calling us. But Hebrews goes on this journey in the way it pulls us together. In Hebrews chapter 11, they use these highlights of these heroes and heroesses. I don't even know if that's a word, but of the faith. And they throw these people, say, amidst their circumstance, their trial, their lockdowns, their, their, their being in foreign lands, whatever was going on, they rose up in faith. And because they rose up in faith, they saw miracles. The prelude in Hebrews chapter 11 Chapter 10 finishes like this, verse 36. Do you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what He promised? For in just a little while, He who is coming will come and will not delay. And, but my righteous one will live by faith, and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. 
But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. Maybe you, you're listening to me talk today, saying, Mark, you're this up guy. You've always been this up guy. No, the Bible says we don't belong to the team that shrinks back. Something about the amazing Aussie logo. It's that incredible wallaby. They put on the logo. Why? Because it's the only animal that is incapable of moving backwards. And we are the church. How much more than an Australian cricket team? We don't shrink back. We rise up in faith. We find our faith. But it starts like this. Hebrews 11 verse 1. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. The message puts it this way. The fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith, is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It is our handle on what we can't see. Faith is believing and trusting God. Amidst what you see and don't see, amidst the challenges of what you do know and what you don't know, it's making a decision deep down inside and that decision giving us a confidence to move forward. And our confidence is not at all related to our natural confidence and portion of confidence in this life. It's no amount of counseling or no amount of mentoring or no amount of whatever you put into yourself to try to build up your confidence. This confidence comes from who God is, who He's always been, and who He always will be. But I want to jump to one of the first characters they mentioned, Abel in verse 4, and then Enoch in verse 5. And then it says in verse 7, By faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. The message says this, By faith, Noah built a ship in the middle of dry land. He was warned about something he couldn't see and acted on what he was told. The result, his family was saved. His act of faith drew a sharp line between the evil of the unbelieving world and the righteous of the believing world. As a result, Noah became intimate with God. I love that. Who knows that Noah's mates, when he started building that ship on dry ground, going, Noah, you're crazy. You're putting your resources in. You're pulling your family into this story. And Noah just goes, well, I've always walked with God. It's what he was commended for in Genesis. I've always walked with God. Enoch was one who just walked with God for 300 years, and eventually God decided to just take him to be with him. Why? Because he was someone who just walked with God. Maybe you're someone who's just walked with God, say, I've just walked with God. Am I, I'm not prepared to navigate the storm. No, Noah and Enoch were these guys who were just commended for walking with God. Seriously, faith is what Noah is commended for, and it would have looked crazy. I mean, Hollywood have loved the story. Hollywood have made all sorts of narratives, added in a whole bunch of stories and sub-themes and a whole bunch of things. But the simple story is this about Noah. A simple man of faith. Three kids, know the deal. Three boys, know the deal. God says, I, I want to spare you because I see brokenness in the world. I'm breaking into the world, but I'm going to provide for you an ark. But you're going to build it. You're going to be a part. And, and, and Noah's faith is a part of establishing that ark. You know what the amazing thing? People think it took him a month, two months. Most commentators, commentators say anywhere between 70 to 120 years. See, sometimes in this time, in corona times, our eyes can see. See, look ahead, and it's this unprecedented time, but, but all we see is the broken. God's saying, I need you to see eyes with faith, even when you can't see much shade on the horizon. I want you to hear with ears that can hear my voice. And you've walked with me. So rather than psychologists or economists or strategists, will you hear my voice at this time? What about feelings as a navigator or a compass? Now it says this in Genesis 6 about Noah. It 
says, this is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time. And he walked faithfully with God. He had three sons. And then the greatest commendation of Noah, as the simple man who trusted God and saw this great story, the fact that we know about him, most of the world know about him, we sing songs about their story and his family's story, just says this in verse 22, Noah did everything just as God commanded. Everything. Didn't say, well, when people were walking past, he hid away a bit because he was a bit ashamed of the story. No, he said, everything God commanded. And let's, make, let's look at some of the things he commanded. God said to him, I want you to build with cypress wood, Noah. This is all in Genesis chapter 6, verse 14, 15, and 16. It says, I want you to build with cypress wood. And understand, cypress wood was costly. But as a disciple of Jesus right now, I would say to you, what are you building with? Because if it's not costly to some of the things of this world, and no one's going, are you crazy building with that? I'm telling you, we're missing something. God's saying, I want you to build at personal cost. He says, no, I want you to build a ship that's three stories high. Noah's going, my family don't need three stories. We don't even have that at home. Now you want me to build a ship with three stories? He says, yes. Why? Because I want you to take the animals. I want you to create space in that place. Who would love three stories in their home in lockdown? Not now, seriously. Each child on one floor, and they can meet on Tuesdays. No, not a good strategy. Sorry, that's just me having fun. No, it's, it's uh, three stories high. Never settle for less than I've got for you, Noah. Imagine, Noah, if I was Noah, I'd go, God, what about two stories? A little bit less work, a little bit rickety. You know, God's saying, I'm God. Bible says, Noah just did everything God commanded. What about the rooms? And God says, have lots of rooms. Why? Because there's, there's this space in your heart right now, disciples of Jesus. Noah is a picture of a man of faith in a time before Jesus as a model for us to understand what it is to be a redeemer at this time. Will you put homes in your heart? Maybe you don't have homes, uh, rooms in your house right now for people to come in and stay with you to provide a bit of shade. We've had the privilege of taking someone into our home who's become part of the family and is helping with kids and navigating. But it's an amazing thing, privilege, to be able to put a little bit of shade over someone. But you can put shade over someone with a phone call. You can put shade over someone and protect them with a, an SMS, a, a send of some money saying, hey, I'm thinking of you and I know you might be in trouble and I know you're a single mom. I've got room in my heart for you. And then he, God says to him, no, I want you to build 450 feet long. 75 feet wide and 45 feet high. I want to tell you, this model of Noah to us as a man of faith says, surrender to the details. You can say, God, but why 45? I mean, let's be honest. I phoned my mates and he says, no, God says, no, I don't want you to phone your mates and I don't want you to Google. Yes, believers, be careful of Google. It's wonderful. But I want to, I'm looking for a son. I've always been looking for people who will trust me, my people, who trust my voice, who, when I say 45, 75, 125, they do that. I've always been looking for those people. See, an amazing thing, but go, Noah walked with God and obeyed every instruction. See, the ark wasn't Noah's idea, it was God's idea. Marriage, and you're saying, well, you don't know what it's like. You don't like being in my house, Mark. I don't know what it's like, but I know marriage wasn't your idea, sir, or ma'am. And you say, well, uh, children, I, I mean, Children, uh, you don't know my children. Well, married children wasn't your idea. Either. That was God's idea. And sexuality and finances, they were none of your ideas. So why don't you go to the architect like Noah went to the architect and he trusted his voice. It says he built and in holy fear he built. See, Noah was a faithful man before the storm. But he became a man of faith in the storm. He was just faithful to the words of God. He was faithful to the promises. And maybe you've been faithful for years. It's time. 
in this moment. This is a moment. The corona times are not just something that are going to come and go. This is not another flu season. This is a moment for our world. It's time to move from a man or a woman who is faithful into a man or woman of faith at this time. A couple of things, maybe three simple points I'd love you to take away. From this picture of this man named Noah in the Old Testament, but pointing towards what it is to be a disciple in these times, because the big question at this time is, what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus in the corona time? It's not business as usual. We can't gather. We can't meet. But what does it mean to be a disciple? Three simple points. And maybe if you remember anything, take these things away. Of what it means to be a disciple from the picture of Noah through to the promises of Jesus. First and foremost, you've got to deal with this. These are three things you've got to deal with to be a disciple of Jesus. Number one, abandon the need to be understood and embrace the fact that God is calling and looking for obedience. But let's talk about that. Abandon the need to be understood. There's our mate Noah on dry land. No floods in sight. No, no clouds in the sky. His kid's going, Dad, what's going on? And he comes back and says, God has told me to build an ark. Not a little dinghy boat, a monster ship. And he starts building. He starts buying up all the best wood. He's getting all the nails. And they start banging year upon year. And the neighbors walk past. What are you doing? What are you doing? Are you crazy? And he's going, hey, family, I've known God all my life. I've known that he is a faithful God. He is faithful to every promise. So we're going to trust him. And people are going to think lots of things. And we are going to be misunderstood. If you want to be a disciple of Jesus in these times, there will be this reality. You will be misunderstood. You, you're still giving generously. You're still loving people. You're, you're, you're doing what? No, I, I'm a disciple of Jesus. So I want to follow him. It's a challenging line. You, you're never going to fit in when you're carrying a cross. And my Savior carried a cross through a crowd to enable us to be those who can walk sometimes being misunderstood, but knowing that on the other side of that journey, there's faith in the journey and miracles on the other side of the journey. A faith factor, overcoming fear that, imagine Noah and all these things. Uh, secondly, I want us to get this. First of all, you've got to be okay with being misunderstood. Second of all, abandon the need to understand God. Mark, how can you say that? Well, I'm watching believers and I'm watching everybody say, why? Why the coronavirus? Why now? And they're coming up with answers. And I'm telling you, church, be careful coming up with answers to explain God when he, he's not giving us the answers. And you don't need to explain him. What you do need to do is worship him. Trust him. And then ask the much bigger, much more important question of what for? All this that is going on in our world, what for? God is shaking everything that is not anchored. What for? As a believer, my question isn't, why God? As a believer, it's, God, how do you want me to respond at this time? See, Noah just responded by doing what God said. Isaiah 55 presents it this way. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he may have mercy on them. And our God, for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts, says God, are not your thoughts, Neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. God's not hiding the fact that we're not going to get it all the time. And I'm watching a lot of people give a lot of energy 
to try surmise the answer. I would say stop wasting energy there. To be a disciple of Jesus now is to trust his voice, keep walking with him, keep trusting him, and keep asking for the miracles that lie in this time and after this time. So what's my story now? Well, I just do everything God asks me to do. And I trust him for the miracles on the other side there. For example, you've heard of the West Coast COVID Relief Fund. I want to share, honestly, it was just a little, I had no relationships with any of these ward counselors and I felt God say, just phone and see if you can pray for them, if you can help. What can we help with? I don't know. And it started a conversation, it started a relationship. It was one ward counselor with, uh, with Nora Gross, then three ward counselors, then partnering with the city. And in a week, we've raised a quarter of a million rand. And I don't know where that money's come from. It's come from many of you. It's come from our city. But that's going to feed a thousand people. Why? Because of a little God thought of faith. A little bit, will you inconvenience yourself? Will you make a phone call? Oh, but I've got my own church to run. We've got our own things to run. I don't need our staff doing that stuff. No. God said, will you rise up in faith at this time? At this time, I don't need you to ask why. Why is this happening? Why are people? I need you to go, what am I here for? What can I use my influence for? My business, my skills. If you're sitting on a mountain of skills and abilities and you're watching Netflix at home all day because you don't think you can be effective, rise up. Dream again. Find God in the midst of this storm because he wants to put strategies in your heart. Get up off the couch and get up off your bed and rise up at this time and find faith in the midst of the storm. If Noah, a simple man, can do everything God asks and trust him, rise up at this time. And lastly, abandon the need for comfort and pick up the need to follow your calling. Pick it up. See, in every storm, there's a God assignment. And I love the story of Jesus taking his disciples in the little boat and he takes them through this massive storm and they get shaken and God's teaching their faith. He's teaching them a whole bunch of things. But then the bigger picture to me, it says, well, on the other side, that to go to the other side, there was a demoniac. Someone who didn't know God, someone who had been kicked out of their community, had cut themselves from self-harm, was smelling of urine and detestable and was so strong, he ripped all the chains that were upon him. No one wanted to be near him. And Jesus said, I'm going to take you through the storm. I'm going to take you out of your comfort zone on the other side with the crowd. See, the disciples loved the crowd and the Jesus show brought the crowd to them and Judas was selling the tickets on the side. I know, a bad joke. But, but the reality is they were out of their comfort zone in the midst of a sea and then on the other side just with one demoniac. And God says, I I'm doing something with you in the midst of this corona storm. If you will navigate the storm where I will be your ship, I will keep you safe, I will be your ark, I will hold you and protect you. Know that you cannot control, you never started the storm and you can't stop it. But I'll keep you safe. I'll keep your family safe. See, give up. When we give up the need for comfort, I would say if comfort is an idol in your story, faith will become an offense to you. What do I mean? Well, I'm talking about the comforts of life. I'm talking about the comforts of forecast, five-year plans and finances. All of that has been shaken, rattled, and rolled. God's saying, if comfort was an idol in your story, I want to rip that idol down. Why? Because I've got a calling for your life, and it's greater than any comfort could ever provide for a story in your story. If you will embrace the calling upon your life, if you will allow your idols to come down, then we will find faith. We'll find a language of faith, and we'll find ourselves speaking God's life at this time. We'll find a currency of faith. We'll start trading in faith where our businesses have traded on many other things before. We'll start trading in faith. We'll find the resilience of faith 
to get up day after day after day, regardless of what the challenges hold, and everyone is sitting back and going, oh, what will lockdown look down in two weeks, in two months, in September? Now, we'll have resilience. Why? Because faith brings resilience. And faith brings results, brings miracles. The day the lockdown came was a Sunday night. On Tuesday, we sat with our staff, and I said to the staff, you remember that devoted booklet we produced two years ago? It had all these testimonies of people got saved in the life of the church, and we produced this beautiful booklet. I want to do the same during this time. I want to see the miracles and the signs and the wonders that are not limited because of the storm of this earth, because God is seated on His throne, and we want to see miracles at this time. It's just given us such courage. It's given such a vision. Why? Because we're trusting God for miracles, and you might just be the miracle today. This average preacher sitting in front of a camera preaching to you. Maybe God just wanted to reach out to you today. Why? So we could live a life of faith. And as disciples, how does that look? Well, like abandon the need to be understood. Because it doesn't come with the package of discipleship. Abandon the need to understand God in all things. Because you won't and you can't. And the Bible tells you that, so stop fighting that. And lastly, abandon the need for comfort and pick up the need to follow your calling. Just before we rush on, maybe there you're saying, Mark, today, I don't know if I'm safe in an ark. You see, this picture of the ark and Noah is a forecast, a picture of Jesus who comes to be our ark in the middle of a storm. He is safe and secure. And although the storm rages, that family was safe in that ark. Those animals were safe in that ark. The promises and the purposes of God for that story were safe in that ark, regardless of the storm. You see, God didn't stop the storm. He kept them safe. See, the cross, which Easter's all about, says this. says there's this big sin problem. And you can try to swim the sea of sin but you'll never get to the other side. You can't. You you just can't get to the other side of the sea of sin. So I'm going to die on a cross. And I'm going to cover that whole sea with the blood of Jesus that is greater than any distance the sin could provide and make a distance between you and the Father. Why? Because you can't make it better yourself and you can't make it right yourself and you can't make yourself perfect. See, in this moment, it's just you and God. Say, Mark, I don't get this faith stuff. That's okay. I don't get this comfort stuff. That's okay. Forget all of that now. Know this, that Jesus died on a cross because there was a cavern, a cavity between you and the Father. And and the Father said, there's only one way. Blood has to be poured out. Perfect blood. The perfect blood of a lamb. I'm going to count to three in a minute, but I want to, if you are at home, wherever you are, and maybe it's uncomfortable, I want to tell you, this is somewhat uncomfortable for me to preach in this environment, but I know God's word never fails. His blood never fails. And wherever you sit, whether you are wrapped up in anxiety, whether you are wrapped up and your idols are being challenged by this storm, I want to tell you, Jesus is your greatest ark. He will keep you safe. His blood will redeem and restore and wash you clean and new. I want to tell you one, that Jesus loves you. He died for you. Not just the good people in your neighborhood, for you. He said, I come for the sick so they may be made well. I didn't come for the healthy. I want to tell you, number two, the Bible says right now salvation is available for you. For you, not for someone else. And that robber on the cross next to Jesus said, Today, and Jesus speaks back to him, says, Today you will be with me in paradise. And three, will you make a decision to receive the love of God right now? Right now. If that's you, I want to pray with you right now. And please let us know. We'd love to get a pastor in touch with you and get some word. But pray this with me. 
Jesus, I come in the midst of the storm and I declare you are my king. And I ask that you would pour your blood upon me and wash me clean. I thank you that today I am made new because of your blood that never fails. Never fails. I thank you for life. And today, I start living the life that you give. Amen. Please let us know if you made a decision. We'd love to get you some good literature and good understanding so you can find your way into the Word and find your way into a deeper relationship with Jesus. But we're starting this series and it's called, Are You Crazy? And at this time, I want to speak to a life changer's family and say, family, let us rise up. We're speaking faith to our kids. We're speaking courage to our kids. But will we be a people who are known? And maybe the word around town is, hey, that life changes family. Are you crazy? Maybe just a little because we're crazy about a king who died a crazy death because of crazy love. And he poured out crazy grace that touches every end of this earth. And he separates our sin as far as the east is from the west. He pours his blood out. Let us be that people that church today we love you we are praying for you and God has us on a journey stop asking why God and start taking up the mantle what do you have for me at this time my king and God will lead us forward we love you we miss you 